0: I'm excited right now. I'm really excited. You know why? Because for such a long time, I've been like, God, I just really feel like they just need, I just need to release an encouraging word. God, I just really feel like, you know, I just really want to just give a really uplifting message tonight. You see, the, the thing is, is that I know that a lot of people in our uh, culture and in this kind of period of the church, a lot of people try and craft messages because that's what they think is a good idea. Our approach is actually that we're trying to listen to God for what he wants to say in the moment. And we really do our best to pursue God, and we take that real seriously, to actually listen to what God's saying today. Because if you remember the story, well it's not the story, if you remember the history of the children of Israel when they went through the desert, God provided for them, but he only provided daily manner. Yesterday's manner was no good. So it's no good getting a message you heard yesterday or a message God gave you last year. Now, sometimes God will will redo stuff. But actually, it's so important, I believe, because everything in that time was a shadow of how it is to be now. And we're not to try and rely on the stuff that we got two years ago, three years ago, or even last week. We need something fresh for today from God. And that's why the Bible tells us that we should go after a timely word or a word in season. It also talks about a word in season Uh, in Proverbs. It's it's, it's awesome. So so tonight I've got something that I want to talk about and I feel, oh, have we taken up the offering yet? I got a little distracted while we're handing out the uh, envelopes. We're going to pray over the offering real quick because I actually think you should always pray and bless what you give to God. So let's just get ready. If you gave on your iPhone, hold it up. And if you gave it the piece of paper, you can just hold your hand up. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to honor you tonight. We thank you, God, that every good thing that's come into our life is a result of you. You said that every good and perfect gift comes down from you. You're the father of heavenly lights, and you're not partial, and you have no variance with anyone. So, Father, right now, tonight, in obedience and love to you, we give you our tithe. We do it joyfully, God. We're cheerful givers tonight. And, Father, as we do, we ask that every need in our heart would be addressed. That you would send out provision, that jobs would come, that breakthrough would come, Father, that increase would come, that breakthroughs in health would take place, that the enemy that's come against us would be rebuked and destroyed in Jesus' name. And that you would cause your plan and blessing to take place over our lives in such a way that everyone around us would marvel and we would have to tell them it's you. So, Father, we bless you tonight and we ask that you would receive our giving and that you'd breathe on it and cause it to grow. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for being a blessing. So, um, what was I saying before that? I got all. Cut. Yeah, so this encouraging word that, that's been in my spirit. It's really, I just really feel that it's so important that we get something that's fresh from God. Amen. And uh, <clears throat> I, I felt like in the last little. Last few weeks that God's just been giving these words that have been encouraging us to really be vigilant and alert and like you know understand the seasons and understand the timing and dig into the Word and be mature and call us forward and which is really good. That actually is encouraging, by the way. Okay, that's something to be encouraged about. But uh, I want to talk a little bit tonight about our perspective or healthy perspective and our walk with God. Healthy perspective in our walk with God. Because the thing is, is that the reason why I want to go after this tonight is that we get stuck in ditches. And we get stuck focusing on seasons in the wrong way where we actually lose understanding of God's plan over our lives. And we lose the big picture and we get despondent in the only picture that we see. So I want to talk about it a little bit because God's dream over each one of us is so enormous that actually we don't see the whole picture. And if we assess where we are at today or in a moment or in a season of our life, it can sometimes be a little discouraging. So I want to actually just zoom out a little bit and I want to look at how God builds champions. How God brings, uh, brings up and raises up victors and mighty men and mighty women of God. Because each one of us are a mighty man or a mighty woman of God in the making. Say amen. You need to agree with that. You, you're either a mighty man or a woman of God or, or it's something else. Don't be something else. You, you are a son, you're a child, you're a daughter, whatever that, whether you're a man or a woman, you are an heir of the throne of heaven. You know, I feel a little happy right now because I've actually got my voice back for the first time in three weeks. It took me three weeks to get my voice back to normal after I go back from Asia. I still have to be a little careful. but. So I want to talk about Five very important and connected aspects that we need to understand in the process of our journey with God. Okay? So, for that, I'd like you to please come to Judge, the book of Judges, chapter 6. It's in the Old Testament. Or should we say the Original Testament? Some people like to call it the Old Testament because they think they can forget about it. Oh, that's the old one. That doesn't matter anymore. We've got the new covenant now. Nope. Jesus didn't come to abolish it. He came to fulfill it. Okay, so, so uh, Judges chapter 6. Where are we here? Uh, verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord, now we see the big, o, big A and the big L, that means God himself, came in, in, in like, you know, angelic bodily form and sat under the terebinth tree, which was an oprah, now, I've, I've read from this scripture before, but I'm going to, I'm going to speak from it in a different passage. I, I could preach from this particular chapter probably 20, 30 times and it would be a different message because there's so much in this book, well, there's so much in the whole book, where you can just keep going through it. It's like, it's like have you ever seen like uh, those gold miners, the big industrial commercial guys, come through with their big, I, I think I saw that, what was that show? Like Alaska Gold or one of those guys, those gold digger dudes. and They, they come through with these big machines, and they scoop out all of the big gold nuggets, but then there's these other really smart people that'll come through the same dirt with other machines and they'll get the small pieces that the big guys forgot or didn't notice. And so there's all these gold nuggets because the word is living. Okay, so God came and sat under the terebinth tree in Oprah, I don't know. Oprah, which belonged to Jewish, the, I'm just going to skip this part, uh, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you. Oh, that's trippy because you were going to talk about Gideon when you had that message, but this is completely different. That's totally blown. Uh, Jeff had the, got this really awesome revelation, which at some point I'm going to get him to share. It's from Gideon. So, So the Lord says to him, uh, the Lord, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now, just stop for a second. Gideon is hiding. There is a level of wisdom to what he's doing, but he's essentially hiding because he's been pushed back so much that he's hiding in his own backyard, threshing wheat in a wine press. Okay, he's not doing it where you're supposed to do it. He's doing it somewhere else. Look at the way that God addresses Gideon, hiding making his sandwich, because that's really what he was doing. He's trying to make bread so he could make a sandwich, right? Look at this. The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now, for starters, we know that Gideon uh, actually had some trust issues because he was just going, he he wouldn't even believe God. You can actually go through this whole section here, and God's trying to tell him stuff, and immediately uh, Gideon tries to rebut him, Look, let's 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 read on a little bit. I'm going to prove this to you. Uh, And Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? This is God standing in front of Gideon. God's trying to tell him, Hey, you're a great guy. I've made you a champion. And Gideon's just straight into doubt. The very thing God hates. God called him a mighty man of valor. Do you guys understand this? Gideon's standing there in his broken cowardice, hiding trying to save the little bit that he's got left, and God shows up and he addresses him completely the opposite of what his situation would otherwise say. Because if anybody else turned up and assessed, hey, let's just do an audit on where this guy's at, uh, hiding, he's making his sandwich, and he's, well, he's at the beginning stages of making his sandwich, and uh, yeah, he's they've been beaten. But God didn't show up like that, did he? God showed up and he said, you are a mighty man of can you imagine that? Because we just—I just need—I just need, need that—I need that three to five seconds where you start to snap over with me and you cross over from oh, that's a lovely Disney movie, into actually this is some history. This really happened. God actually showed up to a coward and said, "You're a mighty man." Okay. We just need to snap out of that because we're just so used to reading the Bible like a fairy tale. That's what Disney's done to the world. Anyways, I'll leave it right there. Apologies, all you Disneyland lovers. I like Disneyland too, but there's actually a reality to that. Okay, so then Gideon immediately, dude, immediately. Can you imagine God standing there and he immediately rebuts God? Hey, God, if you're with us, then what what have you done wrong? Why have you abandoned us? If that's really you, God? Can you just imagine like the orb of God's greatness? I don't know about you, but my, I get really like visual. Like, whoa, whoa, just like seeing all this stuff. Where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about saying, did did not the Lord bring us from Egypt? In other words, you did all these great things in the past, but where are you today? Who can relate to that? Oh, I saw all those great things you did for me then, but right now I've got a reason to complain to your face, God. Okay, watch this. Uh, But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. What might? The dude's complaining. Do you understand that God completely ignored his complaint? He looks at him. He goes, hey, go in this might of yours, Gideon. And you not, not only are you going to make it, but you're going to save Israel from the hand of the Midianites, who were the enemy. Have I not sent you? Okay, And you can actually read down the balance of that page and you just watch Gideon going back and forward with God, having an argument about how he's a loser and God's telling him how he's awesome. Perspective is something that we need to have so that we connect with God in such a way that we understand our time and our season, our destiny and our purpose. But not only that, the timeline of where we're at on that, on that scale. Because here's the thing. It's easy in the early stages of our walk with God to hear God show up and, and, or to have God show up and hear him say, hey, you're awesome. And I'm going to use you to do this, and I'm going to use you to do that, and this is the way I've made you. And you're like, whoa, who remembers those moments? And if you don't remember those moments, you're going to have those moments, and it's going to be awesome. And guess what? They're very valid. They're very, very valid. Now, I want to talk about these five things. The reason I've read that is because I just want, to understand, I just want us to all agree before I get started that God, actually, let, let's come, come with me, please. Come with me. Where are we going? Where, where are we going? We're going to go to the book of Hebrews. Book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 1, the most well known scripture on faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Now faith, not yesterday faith, not maybe faith, it's now faith. Now faith. Now the thing with us Christians, I want you guys to pay attention to this, because I I really talked to the Lord about this, and it's actually in one of my books, but I really talked to the Lord about it, and I started saying, why is it that Christians can be so weird? We hear God, but then we get so weird about what you've said. And then God brought me to this scripture. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. The problem and the blessing with faith, you guys with me? Is that when God speaks, we see it as if it's finished. Because we're listening and we're hearing and we're interacting with the eyes of faith. So what that means is God's like, I'm going to make you a millionaire. And you're like, I'm going to be a millionaire tomorrow. You get what I'm saying? But we don't understand what actually God's truly said. Because God only communicates through faith, and we have to listen to Him in faith, and to agree, we have to operate in faith, but we don't always understand the practical journey that we've been invited to. And this is where a lot of people become disconnected because we don't understand the perspective in our walk with God. Does this make sense? And so I just want to bring some encouragement to us tonight, because I want everyone to look at me for a second. You're doing better than you think you're doing. You're doing better than you think you're doing. It's just that your perspective isn't big enough to understand what God's doing. Okay? Because the thing is, is that when God says things, or when we believe things, or when we start asking God for things, we're seeing through faith is now. But we don't actually have depth perception to understand how long it's going to take or what price we're going to have to pay in the process. Or how different we're gonna be on the other side of that journey, we just see, oh, that's the answer. I need to be there right now. And you don't you're not God, and I'm not God, so we can't actually understand what that journey is going to entail. We just know we want it. And we know that God said it. Look at look at Gideon. He was like, dude, God shows up. God, it's like, dude, could you imagine you're at your workplace and just God's there? He's like, You're awesome. I made you a champion. You're going you're gonna to deliver the house of God from the hands of the devil in America. Could you imagine that? Whoa, dude, God, I can't even pay my rent. Do you get what I'm saying? I mean, that's the kind of perspective of where this is at. But God didn't tell him what that was going to look like. Because Gideon, when Gideon thought that, the reason he was arguing was he was like, Dude, I'm trying to make my sandwich here, God. Shh, get down, God, crouch down when you're talking to me because someone might see you. I don't want to draw attention. i got to make my sandwich. I'm hungry God. Do you understand? So God's showing up, and God is speaking to him, spirit and life. Oh, by the way, dude, can I just pause that for a second and tell you guys something that happened? And I think for me personally, it's a little sign. I'm not saying it's a God thing, but I think it's a little sign. I was standing here, and I was thinking, because you guys know that God gave me a diamond when I was in Asia. A diamond literally dropped out of heaven. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. And I was standing here worshiping and just getting really touched by God. And I was like, man. And I just heard God say to me, He said, Do you think that people would value it so much if a little piece of paper dropped down from heaven? And I was like, That's a really good point. Because I was talking about that last week. I said, People get too materialistic. Now, I want to have, dude, I want to have this whole carpet covered in diamonds from heaven. You know why? Because we can go buy buildings. We can like take over the city town, the city hall. We we could start turning this town upside down for the gospel. Okay? But here's the thing: we always got to worship him, and and just hold secondarily the things he gives us. Amen. But anyways, I felt like he told me to look at the ground. And guess what? Guess what I saw at the ground? A seed. Dude, if this seed's from heaven, I'm planting it. We're taking back Orange County. We're gonna have like we're going to have an orchard. Now I'm not saying this came out of heaven. I just he told me to look down and I saw a seed. What is it? It's a beanstalk. There you go. That's yeah, it's the beanstalk word. Isn't that awesome? True. That's come on, somebody. So so anyways, the thing is is that God just imagine if that's from heaven. If you if you wake up tomorrow and you see this giant like tree trunk over in the direction of my house, you need to come over. Because I've got a tree house up in heaven somewhere. You need to come hang out. We'll have a tea party. <laughs> Anyways, I need to get back into my message. I just wanted to share that because isn't that amazing? I want God to come and I don't care what it looks like. What if God started dropping seeds here? Would you be still excited? I would be. Because I don't know what those seeds could become. If a seed literally came out of heaven and landed on the ground, what could that do? Do you get what I'm saying? I know, I know this sounds a little bizarre to some of you, but like, hey, man, Jesus did really bizarre stuff. and That's why they crucified him. Uh, I like Jesus a lot. So, so I want to get back to this message here. But you see, the thing is, is that Gideon's standing there in all of his brokenness and cowardice. And God literally shows up and says, Gideon, you are amazing. And I've crafted you to be a deliverer and a champion, and so like valiant. That's what God was saying. And Gideon's like, shh, God, this this is blowing. Th- that you're a bit off, God. I think you, I think you might need to go back to your prophetic Bible school because this seems a bit off. What we have to understand is that God speaks to us. Get this, guys. God speaks to us from eternity. God sees a thing finished before it even started. God is more interested in where he's taking you than where you are. That's why God doesn't listen when you complain about your situation, because he's too excited to take you where he's designed you to be. Does this make sense? And we can all complain about our situation, but guess what? That doesn't actually give God any pleasure faith we're going to get there in a little bit but faith is actually what gives God pleasure and look we all are in we all have situations that are uncomfortable but actually moaning and complaining and and whining and all the different things that go with that actually displease God okay so I want to talk a little bit about the process of the journey because if you understand it better you'll be able to partner better with God which is actually going to catapult you forward now that doesn't mean that the, everything's going to speed up. It just means that you're going to be more content in the season that you're standing in today. The problem is, is that when God speaks, we have a faith is now moment. So, like I've had God come to me and He's said amazing things to me that I've never told anybody. Just amazing things. Like, and because me, I'm like, you, my, my close friends will know that when they come and tell me a story, like some of the stories they have to be careful on because I'm incredibly visual. It's my prophetic gift. It's, I know Jeff's the same. As soon as people start talking, I'm just, I just see everything. I'm just like, wow. I just see it like a movie right in front of me. So God comes to me and he talks to me sometimes. And, I'm sure, and I'm, the reason I'm using me is because you can get the picture that way. He's talking to me and he's telling me about how he made me and what he made me for and my purpose and things he's called me to do and, you know, the person he's called me to be. And I'm just standing there going, wow. And I see it so much so that I feel if I reached out just a little bit further, I might just be able to touch it. That is faith listening. Faith is talking, but my faith is listening and seeing. That is the faith that starts to obtain things. Now, here's the awesome thing is that it causes me to be able to see what God's saying. Here's the part that's difficult. I think it's for now, because now faith is the substance of things hoped for. You see, we misinterpret God because we ask the wrong questions, and we assume the wrong assumptions. We believe that when God shows us something, that that's actually for a now moment, because that's the feeling that we get, because that's the channel that God's speaking through. Does this make sense, guys? I want you to get this because if you get this, it's actually going to change the way you relate with God. God wants to lead you somewhere, but a lot of people, they'll fall off the trail because what happens is five months pass, six months, 12 months pass, and you're like, man, God gave up on me. That thing never happened. And people start to disagree with God, which actually starts to disavow the promise. Do you understand that? Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. God's trying to get things to you, but he needs faith to be connected to pull the promise. Now, if we don't understand God's process and journey, we begin to disconnect. When we begin to disconnect, we start to use the same creative power with our mouth to curse the very plan that God's trying to bring into pass. Does this make sense? The same creative mouth that you tell people how you prayed for them and got them healed is the same creative mouth that can actually destroy destiny. Hello. I told you it was an encouraging message tonight. I'm super excited. Okay, so, the re, so so I want to go through five. Now, this is not totally comprehensive. This is just five important things. Now, these are bullet points, but they're also phases. The first phase is that I've just started to touch on is faith. Faith. Faith is connected to timing, and timing is connected to patience. Okay, faith sees things as if they are right now. Understanding and wisdom is going to begin to teach you that you have no control over time. And you have no control over God's design of when things are going to be. Now, the, this is the difficult part. We have to believe as if it was about to happen. But at the same time, we have to, we have to be patient as if you don't care when it happens. Do you guys get what I just said? We have to believe as though everything depended on it happening right now, tomorrow, next week, whatever whatever that looks like. But we have to be patient, understanding that we don't have any control over the outcome. That is 100% in God's hands. What we do have control over is believing. Does this make sense? So remember, remember David? David was in the pit. I patiently waited for the Lord. I didn't complain. I didn't have a tantrum with God in the pit. I patiently waited for the Lord. I wasn't upset that he came too late. I patiently waited for the Lord. I wasn't—I didn't start complaining, thinking, God, you haven't heard me. You're ignoring me. What sin have I done? Well, maybe sometimes we need to think that. But <clears throat> what sin have I done can definitely uh, cause God to not listen at times. If you know the scriptures, you'll know that that's actually the truth. Yeah. Anyways, let's get back on track because you guys are freaking out on that. Um I patiently waited for the Lord. He inclined and heard my cry, and he came and lifted me up out of the pit in God's timing. Can I tell you something? If God had to come to get Joseph out of the prison, do you guys know that Joseph, the great dreamer, was actually stuck in a prison for 14 years? After he was falsely accused by a woman who tried to seduce him, After he was actually bought as a piece of property, after he was in a uh, caravan of traders, after he was thrown in a pit and sold by his brothers to that caravan. Joseph had a rough life. But then just before that, after that, if we're going backwards, he had a dream. Oh. See, the thing is, the dream is great, but the journey will change you. Guys, we we don't understand the journey, and if we did, some of us would actually say, "I don't want to be a part of this." God, listen to me. I told this to someone recently. If you have a great call, you have a great journey ahead, and that journey is going to change you. And on the other side, a lot of you is not going to be there. I told you it was an encouraging message. Come on, guys. This is exciting. It actually is exciting. Guess what? Because if God wants to take something, like, like you, you can ask people that have known me for 10 years, or 15, my wife's known for me, like, 15 years now? Yeah, about 15 years. If, if you knew me 15 years ago, and I walked in here, the other me walked in here, you'd be like, ooh, dude, this is blowing. <laughs> you know what? It's not that I've become eloquent and educated. It's that part of me has died. Do You understand? Yes. And guess what? It's been a journey that's caused that to happen. Because everyone loves the vision and the dream, but no one wants the price. And the price is what causes you to be great. Don't you know that after God had that encounter with Gideon? Gideon was very smart. He actually did some fleece stuff. You guys know the story. He was like, God, I'm going to test you. Thou shalt not test the Lord thy God. He's like, I'm not going to test you. I'm just going to have a question here. so he just does this fleece thing, which actually, like in my book, I, I talk about the wisdom of Gideon. Because here's the thing, guys. This is where a lot of Christians go wrong. They think they hear God, and they get excited because faith is now. And then they go running off in a direction that God never even called them to run. And they're like, I thought God was in this, and God was never, ever in it. See, we have to understand faith understands clarity. It, gets, it actually gets to the bottom to make sure that what it's heard is actually God. It double-checks, it tests, it verifies. And then it starts to understand the timing. Well, God, the timing, I can kind of see that it could potentially be in five years, but maybe it's in 20. There's words that God's spoken to me, guys, that I know are 10 to 15, maybe even 20 years away. Because I've started to understand this timing thing with God. And you start to understand that, God, I can see that that could be awesome. But I know part of me in faith sees that I could step into that now and try and wing it or maybe even do well at it. But maybe there's a part of my life that's not dead yet that would destroy that thing. Do you understand that? And so God is going to take you on a journey. You see, after that moment where he did all that stuff, Gideon was actually taken through a little journey himself because everyone always listens to he went and he destroyed everyone on the, the, the Midianites. But no one pays attention to that he actually, he was the least. So He was the runt of the clan, and their clan was the weakest in all of Israel. God actually took him, and he went on a journey. He actually went up to the high places, and God had him. This is by God's instruction, and guess what his first task was after that encounter? To tear down all the idols. The first thing that God's going to do after he speaks to you is he's actually going to come after you. And he's going to tear down idols in your life. Do you understand that? Some of the ones that you don't even recognize as idols because they're furniture. You know, I like that old chair. It's just been, you know, my grandma gave me that chair. It's been in our family for so long. Little chairs in the corner going, (laughs) Does this make sense? You see, God is actually going to, he's interested in the destination, and we love the appeal to greatness, because you were made for greatness. Every human being has this thing where they feel like Superman or Superwoman, because you were actually made to be great. Everyone. Not just, oh, that's that one preacher, or that one, no, it's everybody. You have the DNA of the Father, how could you not be? Do you understand? But there's stuff in you that's immature or broken or dysfunctional or wounded or completely wrong mindset. And actually God is going to, what are, God's so smart. He invites you with this amazing like brochure. He's like, I've, I've called you to be a prophet to the nations. It's, look, this is, a, it's amazing. And you're like, whoa. And I get frequent flyer points too. This is amazing. Yes, God. Yes, yes, yes. You can have it all. God's like awesome. (laughs) Let me take you up to the high places of your life. And then, so we we have this moment where we're just like, I am like called for greatness. And the sun and the moon shall bow down and kiss my feet. And so shall my brothers. You get what I'm saying? So so Joseph Joseph had that moment. So did Gideon. Even though he was dissing God, he's like, Yeah, God's here talking to me. And he's calling me great. I'm trying to be humble right now, God. You know what I mean? But then from that place, God then's like, hey, just hold my hand. We're going to go on a little walk. Because the one thing God didn't tell you is He didn't, and He never tells you when. We assume when. And that is one of our greatest downfalls as human beings, is that we assume the when. Listen to me God has not changed His mind. Everything he said to you is valid. Everything he said to you is still up for grabs. It is a promise that you can take to the bank better than any bond, better than any title deed. It is for real. The problem is, is that when we misinterpret or assume the time frame. I've told you guys the story. I, I was really young in the Lord. I was brand new to Holy Spirit. This guy prophesied to me, he goes, soon my son, and he spoke like that. He was like, my son, the Lord says to you, like that, he was speaking like that, you shall soon meet your wife. I was like 23 or 24. I was like brand new in Holy Spirit, brand new saved from the world. Literally, I was at his house. I stepped out the door and I was like, is she outside? I mean, honest. I'm just being honest with you guys. I was like, is she outside? And then I went down the street and... Nope, she's not there. God, it must be tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow's going to be a good day. Good night, Jesus. Dude, and it was years later I got married. Over a decade, oh no, it was just under a decade later, I was married to my beautiful wife. You see, the problem isn't what God said. The problem is we assume when he said it's going to be. So, the, so number one is faith, timing, and patience. We have, to, we have to yield and relinquish the control that we feel that we need to have in order to remain secure. And we need to trust him. That's why I've got the word faith there that not only are we going to listen through the eyes of faith and listen through the ears of faith, but we're actually going to walk out in faith long term where we actually give control to God and the whole thing. The second thing is understanding the timing, and the third thing is actually being patient. Patience isn't easy, especially when you're a dreamer, especially if you're a prophetic person. Because if you're a prophetic person, you see it even on another level. You see it on a whole other level of reality, and it becomes more pulling to you. Because you have this grasp of a reality that is actually very real to you. Does that make sense? That's why I talked about my visual gift. It's like when someone starts talking, I just literally start to see it. And it's the same way. So, so understanding the timing and the seasons. If you remember, Jesus in his life, he actually rebuked the Pharisees a couple of times. He's like, you guys claim to be so wise, yet you don't even understand the times and the seasons. Do you remember? Jesus was actually saying, hey, this is base level walking with God. Times and seasons. Okay, number two. So we've got this amazing vision and this dream that God's given us. Is it okay if I go 10 minutes over tonight? I'm not not at time yet, but I think it's just going to take me a little bit longer to get this done. The second thing that starts to happen is adversity comes to talk to us. And what happens is, is that... You can imagine Moses, Moses is literally up Mount Sinai, and he has had this amazing encounter with God, to the point where God's finger comes out and writes in fire, I mean that was the Charlton Heston version, but there was something where God, <laughs> the, the, the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not. So God actually came and he wrote with his hand, and he actually created the two tablets of stone with the Ten Commandments on them. He has, an, I mean, talk about an encounter, oh look I got a little diamond, good dude, Dude, Moses walking down with like two stones, baby. Seriously, you get it? And not only are they just stones, they're stones that have been written on by the hand of God. Dude, are you serious? He's walking down the mountain with these two stones coming out of the presence of God. And then he comes into reality of the children of Israel playing and worshiping false gods. And he comes into a different reality. To the point where he was so grieved, he actually smashed those those stones that God gave him. He smashed the stones. I mean, dude, homie he had an anger issue. That's why I think. That's I, Just, I think that might be why. Like when it came time to strike the rock with water, it's like God was like, "Listen, you, you made me do two stones. You just hit this thing once." And Moses was like my little two year old that was like, <laughs> and he had it. I'm not I, Moses. We'll have a chat. I'm just joking. I'm just just kidding. <laughs> you know what I mean, though. But um, so he comes out of this amazing encounter with God, which is like a picture of us having that moment where God invites us on this journey, and we get a glimpse into God's dream over us. And then we come back to this reality of our life, and there's all these problems facing us. And maybe in some cases, there were problems that weren't there before. Or we have to go and tear down strongholds that aren't pretty. And, you know, they wanted to kill Gideon when he did that. They like, they're like, we're going to kill this guy. He just took down our idols, don't you know? Yeah. You know, and so God will sometimes have you do things or say things that take you from being the guy that people like to the person that people don't like. Let that sink in. God will sometimes have you confront the issues of your life. or actually, no, I'll say that differently. The issues of your life will come to confront you. Or the people in your life will turn. And all of a sudden, now you have adversity. God, you just called me into this amazing season, and I just feel like everything's turned to crap. Sound familiar? God, you, you this amazing dream of my life, and now just, it just feels like everything, even the devil's trying to prove you wrong, and everything in my life is just horrible, and I can't see past this dark valley of the shadow of death. It's just too much. I just don't see this as ever going to happen. And then the next thing that happens, so the first thing in, in this second point is adversity. The second thing that begins to happen is actually God's going to use people in your life to start correct you. Probably leaders. Okay? And this is where you have adversity blowing up and you have correction happening and you're just like, it's just not fair. Don't they know I'm mighty man of valor? These tantrums start, let's see, and all the stuff starts to come out, okay? And this is one of the places where we can radically begin to lose perspective of God's dream over our lives. Because what happens is God's spoken, but the adversity feels so loud that we allow it to begin to choke and drown out the promises that God and the the things that God gave us to look into. And that now seems so impossible and so far away, and we become all consumed with adversity and the dealings of God. Okay. Come with me, please. Let's go take a look here. Okay, come with me please to the next chapter, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4, actually no, verse 3, uh, for consider him who endured such hostility, this is 12:3 of Hebrews, uh, from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. That discouraged in your soul is actually discouraged in your emotions. And isn't this the battlefield that the devil chooses to invite us to? He doesn't, it doesn't say discouraged in your spirit, it says discouraged in your soul, and what the devil wants to do is he actually wants to invite you down from seated in heavenly places, even though you're in adversity, and he wants to bring you down to seated in emotional places. Because when you get seated in emotional places, you're actually vulnerable, because the Bible doesn't say that they overcame him by their emotions. It says that they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Now, if your word of your testimony is coming out of a seated place of your emotions, you are going to lose. Because what you're going to be doing is you're going to be declaring your feelings. Right. Is this okay? Is this, is this good tonight, guys? Someone getting some help? We need to get this because here's the thing. If you don't understand this, you're going to be easy victim for the devil to trip up. And every one of us in here has phenomenal destiny. Phenomenal. Amen. Phenomena. And actually, God wants to bring you into it. The devil wants to keep you out. This is simple math. Devil don't want you in the promised land. God wants you in the promised land. Here is God's journey. Watch out for the enemy's traps. Okay? Guess what? The, the Lord is going to allow you to walk through adversity. Because he loves you. Now, that doesn't sound very loving. And that doesn't mean that every bad thing that happens came from God. Some people are like, oh, God put cancer on that person. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That is not how God works. Or oh, that terrible. No, the devil, every, every good and perfect thing comes down from the Father. It doesn't say sometimes God allows cancer to come, does it? It says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of heavenly lights and who there is no shadow or variation of heaven. What that means is there's no partiality or there's no bias. Okay. So here's the thing. Bad stuff does come. And it comes from the devil, but God will use the pit of Egypt's prison to fashion you. And guess what? You're never going to be the Prime Minister of Egypt unless you're prepared to walk through false accusation. You're never going to be the the, the Prime Minister of Egypt unless you can handle betrayal. You're never going to be the the Prime Minister of Egypt unless you can be, you know, thrown away and the key turned and and the, the the key was thrown away as if hopefully this person never ever shows up again okay? Forgotten about, left to rot. You, you, you people. Claim, there's a lot of people in the kingdom that claim greatness, but not many people want to pay, pay the price. Yeah. And I want you to pay the price. Yeah. This is not me trying to say, hey, there's a 5% chance, give up now. I'm not saying that. I'm saying there's a price and it's worth it. Yeah. It hurts, it sucks, I get it. I've paid my share of price and guess what? There's a whole lot of price ahead of me. Yeah. But guess what? It's a And I want to invite you into this thing because the problem... Look, I used to box. I think I've told some of you this before. I used to box. I used to do cage fight. I did about four or five different disciplines. Okay, The best way to take your opponent out if he's a skilled fighter is to beat the crap out of them until they start to get what they call punch drunk. What that is is that's enough punches to the head. Okay, It's not in the gut. It's up here. If I can hit you enough in the head you're actually going to start to get giddy or dizzy. It's a a feeling or a sensation like being drunk. That's why it's been called punch drunk. And once I have you in that position, or once I have you in that, that, that state, your movements are going to be slurred, and I can now finish you. The enemy wants to take you into these seasons, and so does God. God wants you to hold his hand through these seasons, understanding what the season's for, but the devil wants to turn it around and make it God's fault and have you give up on God, curse God, and die in the prison and God's saying, hold on to my hand, understand what's happening right here. I understand you were falsely accused. Just keep this. Right, just shh. Don't say a word. Come here. Come on. Just Oh, yeah. Remember Jesus? One of those scriptures I love to quote. Jesus endured the cross despising its what? Its shame. There's so much power understanding that scripture. He despised the shame. He didn't let the shame get on him. He walked through the darkness of that mockery and that ridicule and that hideous, hideous treatment. Oh, it's a piece of someone's foil that got wrapped up and I thought it was a giant diamond. (laughs) (laughs) It looks like a monster, but hey, it's all good. And he came out the other side completely untouched. Do you understand that you're going to walk through some stuff? Deal with that right now. Because there's stuff in you that is never going to be the 300 men with Gideon that slay the enemy in an impossible scenario unless you walk through the stuff. Okay? Now I need to keep moving because time is flying. So, so here's the thing. God will God will cause adversity or he'll allow adversity to happen, but he is also himself personally and the people that he's actually put over your life to begin to come and start to point stuff out. God himself is going to start to like allow either circumstances or his voice, or he's going to use people in your life to begin to actually address stuff. And some people could that's your opportunity at that point to say, I'm being attacked, or I'm being like, you know, like victimized, or it's your opportunity to actually say, You know what, God, there's something here I need to deal with it. You have to understand what's happening. People that don't understand what's happening miss the season. And then it flies by them. It's like, man, just why, why did that thing never happen for me? Well, it's because you didn't understand what God was doing. This is, there is a process to this thing, guys. There is a process. God wants to speak the greatest thing over you, and we all want to hear the greatest thing. But unless you're willing to walk through the process, you'll never qualify to stand in it. It's so important you get this. Now, the, so the whole point of this adversity, which you can actually find in a couple of places in the New Testament, which so I don't have time to go there right now. Do not think it's strange when various trials and tribulations come to you? It's for the testing and the proving, ultimately, of your faith. Okay? That is the reason that God allows terrible things to happen. Oh, well, if God's my father and he loves me and he's a good, good father and he's happy all the time, why do these terrible things happen? Well, I'm really sorry. There's actually not... You can't sit here and, and, and theologically put it down that God would ever do that to you. But God never said that things weren't going to happen. Paul even said, don't stop acting surprised when terrible stuff happens. You know, we've heard some terrible stories of like really good Christian people where the most tragic things have happened to them. There's not really an explanation, but here's the one thing you do have is you have faith in God. And you need to hold his hand and walk through it. And on the other side of that, there's beauty and there's healing. Now, the ultimate, the ultimate title for the second point is fashioning. Because when God comes to you like Gideon hiding in a pit your spirit is like a field of dirt that he's putting the seed in. That's the faith. But without the work, you're never going to be fertile enough to house the fruit. Okay, so he's, God's looking to fashion you. And, and without this, guys, when the stuff starts to happen, it is so, so easy. It's an open test book, but... And people think, oh, yeah, it's an open test book. There's all the answers. This is going to be easy. But the thing is with God is that God allows things to happen when you least expect it. He'll, you'll just get caught off guard. But that's when you've either put this in you or you haven't. Okay? And God, here's, the, here's the awesome part. God's actually, he loves you so much that he's not going to allow you to come into something, well, for most people at least, before you're ready for it. Some people, they, they, in their own strength of their flesh, they weasel themselves into positions, but then you just watch it long enough and then it all blows up. But if you really want to do this God's way, you have to let God do it without pushing yourself forward at all. That's why God doesn't promote self-promotion. He, he says, it doesn't come from the east, the west, it comes from me. Right. Okay, so number three. The third most important thing to understand from that place, coming through adversity and correction, two things happen you start to have an understanding of God. You start to have an understanding of yourself. You start to realize that there's wicked stuff in you that's not right. You guys ever been in a situation where you think everything's great about you, you're just doing really awesome, and then through one way or another, God just comes and he's like, hey, that thing right there, that's ugly to me. And your heart just goes, and you just go, and you just start feeling terrible about yourself. Right? You can almost go the other way where you start feeling depressed. Don't feel depressed. Just deal with it. Only pride and ego would fight over something so dysfunctional. Hello? So we actually need to allow God to actually pull stuff out of us so that we can move forward. So the third thing that comes as a result of that is we start to develop humility. And humility is what pleases God, and it pulls God closer to us, and it actually starts to lift us up, and it starts to move us along this process. Because without humility, God will actually stay his distance. Okay, And the second thing that it does is it causes us to actually start to have more of a stance of humility. And when you start having a stance of humility, you actually start to become positioned for the next thing, which number four, I need to keep moving here, number four is submission and obedience. Without humility, see when God comes to you, it's actually, when he'll come in point number one, he actually will come and say this amazing thing. And in that moment, sometimes we're so puffed up with the greatness of our future that submission and obedience is just a dirty word. But it's not until some brokenness has taken place and some humility has been formed that submission is actually something that we're prepared to do. And then from there, we're prepared to step into obedience. Come on, guys, this is awesome. You see, the thing is, God just doesn't want your allegiance and your like charisma. He wants everything in you. Where you begin to become like David, there is nothing good in me, not one thing. You're the only good thing in my life. And you start to realize, if any good thing comes out of me, it's come from you. God doesn't want someone to be raised up in the glory so that they can get to a point where they think, yeah, I got myself here by just being a good little Christian. And then all they do is take the glory for themselves. God actually wants someone that will never touch what belongs to him. Does this make sense? Because and that's a twofold thing. One, because a God is jealous for His own glory; that belongs to God. He deserves it. That's His. But secondly, God understands that if you grow up wanting to touch the glory and you secretly position yourself, that you will actually be destroyed. Glory seekers never make it. They never, they never make it. You can go read the scriptures. All throughout the scriptures, they're just blown. So submission and obedience. So, so there, there, there's this track record that starts to happen. Now, God will actually take take you, in, like the Bible says, that Jesus learned by the things he suffered. Yeah. Think about that for a second. The Son of God, who left all of the glory of heaven and the splendor, and he came down to earth, and he learned by the things he suffered. That sounds like being broken, coming into a place of humility, and then submission to the Father. The sweating the great drops of blood actually caused submission to come into Jesus. Okay, let me just come back here a little bit, because I actually jumped past point two, and went, I read one scripture and just jumped off it verse four uh, Hebrews 12 verse four uh, you have not resisted yet to bloodshed surviving against sin, and you have not and have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged, guys, when you are rebuked by him for whom the Lord loves, he chastens and he scourges every son whom he receives. That means, scourging is, I've talked about this before, but scourging is the whip that they used. you guys seen that movie The Passion, that had all the hooks and the bones in it, that actually, it's not just a whip with, with string, it's a whip with hooks, and the hooks go in and actually grab flesh and tears it off the body. So scourging actually is designed to remove flesh. Do you understand that? It's like a meat grinder on, on, a, on a whip. Okay, look at this. This is really strong language that's being used here. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. God wants to meat grind your flesh. I'm talking about your, your, your soulish flesh, your emotional, sinful nature. He actually wants to remove that. And guess what? Adversity is going to be what's going to be used. That's how it's going to be. And if you endure chastening, look at this. Look at this. This is really important. So just so you guys know, this this particular passage of Scripture was on my uh, single bachelor room bedroom interior part of my door in my bedroom for several years. You know why? (laughs) Because every morning I'd go out the door. My son, do not, where is it? My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged. Because God actually dealt with me so much for so long that I actually started being discouraged. And I was just like, man, is this ever going to stop God? God still deals with me now, but I went through a season for several years of intense God just coming after me. One thing after another, brokenness, breaking, break, 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 break. But if you're ever going to be anything, that the stuff that God said, you're going to have to actually be prepared to walk through stuff where God actually gets in. Do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him, because God does all these things. If you endure chastening, verse 7, God deals with you as sons. If you endure chastening. That's a, no God, no, you're not going to do this to me, no, no, no. Oh, okay, that means you don't want to be a son. See, now now we just got heavy. Do you understand? God wants everything. (laughs) Welcome to school. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? Watch this, verse eight. But if you are without chastening, in other words, if you do whatever you want, hello, the generation we live in, hello. Yeah. But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate. Another translation says you're a bastard, yeah. which means that you haven't got a you, you, You're an orphan. Yeah. Oh, orphan spirit. Oh, okay. Then you were illegitimate and not sons. Therefore, or furthermore, we had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection, which is also the same word for submission, by the way, to the father of spirits and live? Okay, um, verse, verse. I'm going to read the whole thing because it's actually really good. Uh, verse 10, for they indeed for a few days chastened us, which means for our younger years, as it seemed best to them, but, it w- but he for our profit... Did you guys get that? Because you see, some of us have actually grown up in abusive homes or abusive situations where people abused us and it was for their like empowerment to make them feel great. And they were just weak people. Okay, I'm not talking about that. And if that's happened to you, I'm so, so sorry and God wants to heal you. But this is different. God is actually saying, I'm doing this for your profit, for your benefit. You see? Uh, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Basically, saying, "Hey, I'm trying to do this so you can actually enter into the holiness of God." That's deep, okay? Because you know, no flesh has seen God and lived, right? <laughs> so we need to get the stuff out so that we can move forward and get the greater things in God. Amen. Now, this is this is the last one. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present or in the moment but painful nevertheless afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who those who have been trained by it this is powerful right here so this was just on my wall every day I'd walk out the door like good morning Jesus oh yeah that's right <laughs> I got be I want to be your son God okay I'm not going to despise your chastening I'm going to embrace it Because, you see, the thing is, the reason that we take it personally, guys, is that our flesh has become so connected to our spirit that we see it as an attack on our identity. Let that sink in. We see it as an attack on our person. But actually, God's trying to remove something that he never created in us so that he can see who we really are and so that we can see who we really are. And that is beauty. It's beauty, guys. Okay, so so I'm just gonna that was that was really around point two, but it also ties into three and four because you know if you struggle with this, I'd invite you to read verse twelve of Hebrews every day until this drops in your spirit. Just read it over and over and over. that's how you retrain your mind. The washing of the word. You just keep putting it and keep putting it in, until you start to embrace this. Yeah, don't, can I give you a piece of advice? Don't go out here tonight and go, God, just wreck me and just tear me up and God, just. just. I mean dude, I've prayed those prayers sometimes. I just look just back up, hold up. Just hold up. In my youthful stupid zeal, I would just be like, God, just just tear everything out. Now I'm like, God, just gently come and remove. Do you get what I'm saying? It's true though, honestly, it's totally true. So 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 what happens is, is then we come, point four, is we come into a place where we're actually willing to be in submission to God because we start to realize that that's not a place where we lose our control. That's a place where we gain covering. Yes. And that's a place where we gain protection. And then from there, we don't just come into a place of submission. We come into a place of obedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice. See, we're in a generation right now where people would love to give you money to get rid of you rather than actually have to do something. And that, to me, that when I moved here, it shocked me. Because I looked at these people, I'm like, "You want to tip someone to get them out the road, so you don't actually have to engage." And God's—that's what I think. What God was saying when He said, "Obedience is better than sacrifice," because a lot of the time people wanted to bring, like, you know, what it was kind of like the Catholic thing. Do you know, just go to confessional. Father McQuay will, like, he'll he'll listen to your sin. Like, you know what I mean? Instead of like. Hey, I need to be obedient to God. It's like, you know, I'm not going to be obedient to God. I'm just going to bring Rosie the the, the goat on on next week, and we'll just sacrifice Rosie the goat up at, the, at the, in the temple because that's my easy way out. Do you understand? Obedience is better than sacrifice. So, you know, instead of me being obedient, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pay some money, and hopefully that deals with God with it. Do you see? Do you see the mentality? But actually, that's in our present day. And God's wanting everything. He wants your obedience. He wants your heart. He wants you to bow and break where it's finally, nevertheless, Father. See that breaking moment in Gethsemane? That's where the power came. Nevertheless, Father. Not my will, God, but yours be done. I'll go to the cross. We'll do this, God. You see? And then something breaks. Jesus didn't have that when he went up to the desert for 40 days. He had it in the garden of Gethsemane. He went through a process. And I got this amazing revelation a couple of years back, and I shared it with you guys. i probably said it a couple of times, but I'm just going to say it again. From that kneeling where there was blood dripping into the grass around him as he sweat, the tension of his soul breaking before God, fighting, resisting against all the, all the stuff. From that moment, guys, get this. He stands up. Judas is walking through the shadows from the other side with probably 50 temple guards. And they say, are you Jesus the Jew? Are you Jesus the Nazarene? And he doesn't do anything. He doesn't wave his hand. He doesn't have a white Benny Hinn coat. He just stands stands there and he says, I am he. Something's released out of him. See, the submission and the obedience cause power, which is what everyone wants. Everyone wants to be anointed power came on him and the second he said i am he the bible says they all fell down like dead men they all we're talking trained like military like you guys know the white house so in the white house you have all of like, like the high level marines and the navy seals that are actually like guarding the president right that was what the temple guard were do you understand these guys were not like little sissy boys these were like warriors that were guarding the temple these guys were trained warriors And they all fell down like dead men, and all Jesus said was, I am He." That came as a result of the breaking and the submission. Do you understand? But that didn't come easy. Everyone wants the power, but no one wants to die. Do you understand? So this process that God's inviting you into, if you can understand the big picture, you'll be able to partner with it better. Because we get excited. That's why you have to write the vision down, make it plain, send a runner. You know why? Because five months later, you're going to forget it in the midst of the turmoil of the prison and the persecution or the, or the, the circumstances, the adversity or the dealings of God or the you know, the, someone confronting you or a leader trying to correct you. And you forget what it's all about and you get lost and disorientated and punch drunk. And then the devil steps up and says, I got the easy way out. Let's just divorce this whole thing and get you out of here. Do you get you understand? Do you understand why people run? I understand why people run too, but I'm telling you not to. Come on, guys. This thing is worth it. I know it's painful. I know right now that no one else can relate to how you feel, and I, I understand that. But you need to hold on to the original promise. Point number five is God's dream. Because as you begin to walk through this, you begin to understand that time's not in your control anymore. You begin to understand that in the process, through it all, through it all, my eye is on you, and it is well with me. Through it all, I can stand in peace. That's why Jesus was asleep in the boat. He knew it wasn't his time. See, everyone was freaking out because adversity had kicked up, but Jesus was in perfect peace because he knew, hey, the time's not come. Don't you remember? Hey, my time has not come, woman. Remember the the, the wedding? My time's not. He understood very well his timing better than we do. Much better than we do. But here's the thing. If you can start to rest in this, guys, and understand the process of God, you're not going to be as easy bait for the enemy to come. And number five is God's dream. Because you begin to see God's dream more clearly. And you begin to understand. You go through this process. See, there's things that God said to me that I was like, one point I was like, striving. Yeah, I need to be that. I need to, God, yes. Yes. But you go through this breaking and this process, and then you just get to this point where you're now a little dead. Not dead in my spirit, dead in my flesh. And I'm just like, God, whenever it's ready, I'm good. Please don't give me that thing before I'm ready for it. I'm really excited to just come into that thing, and you start to relax. You know what it does? It kills the ambition. It kills the sin. It kills the dysfunction. It's like, you know, honestly, it's great. And then all of a sudden, at the time when you least expect it, then a door opens in front of you, and you realize the dream, and you stand there weeping before God. Do you understand what happened? Do you see that do you, I don't know if you guys know the picture, but at the transformation, we can we talk a little bit about uh, Jacob, who became Israel. He fought with God. He went around hustling everyone. He God touched the the sock, the, the 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 meat joint in his hip, and it shrunk, and he had a limp from that day for the rest of his life. Okay. But the Bible says that that when he was an old man, he stood up overlooking the plains of the promise. And he leaned on his staff, thy rod and thy staff, your correction and your guidance, they comfort me. Remember David? Your correction and your guidance, thy rod and thy staff. They comfort me. You have to understand this, guys. Mature people cling to correction and guidance. Immature people see it like control because they haven't gone through the second process. They're still in the dreamy part. Hello? I'm trying to invite you into maturity. This is awesome because every single person in here has phenomenal dreams and visions, and I want you to see this and be encouraged because part of the reason that you're discouraged is because you don't understand how this works. It is a mathematical equation in some ways. And God wants you to, come on, you intellectual people. It's like, yeah, I can can do this now. There's baths involved. (laughs) Do you understand? Praise the Lord. Seven plus seven. Oh, it's a spiritual number. (laughs) Sorry, just had to to throw that out there to lighten it up a little bit. But you start to understand the process. And then you go through, you know, you go through a couple of these in different areas of your life. And then, then God speaks again. And you're like, okay. Now I understand this dream comes with me changing. And there's a process ahead. And you know what? I'm going to embrace this. So so Jacob, he'd changed. He'd, he wasn't the hustler anymore. He wasn't the supplanter. He was the Israel. And he leans on his staff with his sons around him, and he blesses God. Not fighting God. not ch- You see, the process for him had changed him. And he didn't die swindling someone. He died surrendered. Do you understand? God wants to break you, but it's not something you need to be afraid of because it's actually going to qualify you for the blessing. And in the process, the part of you that he never created gets to die. You You just think it's you, but it's not you. It's something he never made. It's the insecure orphan that has no part of heaven. See, there's stuff in me that needs to die. Don't, don't look at me and say, hey, man, I'm really disappointed in Pastor Andrew. I, just, I was expecting Jesus when I saw him. Well, guess what? I got Jesus in some areas of my life. In other areas of my life, I, I need to look more like Jesus. And I apologize to you that I'm not Jesus, but it's actually really more about your expectations rather than my reality. <laughs> Is that okay to say that? Because we try to find God in people because we don't want to go to God for ourselves. Oh... Oh, see, that's why the children of Israel didn't want to have God as their king. They wanted a man because they wanted to have an image that they could, they could control rather than a God they could submit to. Someone needs to get this. So the problem with the modern church is that we've tried to build celebrities that we can control. And then we blame them for our failure instead of actually just walking into this and understanding, okay, God, I'm a loser. I'm in a wine press trying to make a sandwich. My life doesn't look like much, but you've said these amazing things to me. I mean, we can all say that, right? We can all say that. There's areas in our life that God has spoken such amazing greatness, and yet it doesn't make any sense because we look at our life, and we think, man, I'm a flipping loser. True? And yet God, he's not trembled once or stuttered once. He is so on purpose. He is not joking, he's not playing, he's serious. You gotta get out of the wine press though. You've got to be prepared to take down some idols. Oh, by the way, some of those idols are gonna personally insult you. <laughs> See, we've built a panda to our emotions and our feelings so much. I need to close because I've gone a long way over, but I hope this is I hope you don't mind because I think this is I think we need this. I want you to be encouraged by this. I want you to get this where there's something in you starts to change, where you start to understand the, the pathway and the process of God differently. Amen? Yeah. Amen. I'm going to close with that. Why don't we stand to our feet? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just, we just ask you, God. Holy Spirit, right now I personally ask you, that you would breathe by your spirit and firebrand every person's heart here tonight. Every destiny, every promise, every part that we have seen, Father, of your destiny over our lives, God, that you would remind us, even as we've been listening tonight, you've been reminding us of the promises, God. And right now, Father, we repent for doubting. We repent for not believing you. We repent, Father, for wavering or for even fighting you, God. We repent for trying to hustle a situation. God, we repent, Father, for, for kicking and screaming when you try to deal with us. Yes. For scratching and biting. God, I know that I've, I, I can say that I need to repent to you for that at times. Where well, you've taken me into situations that are humbling or that are difficult or that you've been trying to correct me. And God, just, I've just not liked it. And I just repent, God. Help us to cling to our cross that you can bring us into the promised land sooner so that we don't spend 40 years in the desert wondering why things haven't happened yet. Where we can cross over quickly, Father. Maybe not in the timing that we want, but faster than the timing that you had if we didn't believe. So, Father, I just ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you'd be released in this room and that as we embrace this message, understanding you more, maybe not perfectly, God, but understanding you more than when we walked in here that you would just help us, Holy Spirit, you're our coach, you're our comforter, you're the one that teaches us and leads us into all truth, that you would lead us forward into the destiny that you have for us, God, and if that means that we go into seasons of adversity or correction where you begin to deal with us, God, then so be it, but God, help us to walk out And actually submit to the seasons that you have in front of us, God. Whether it means coming into seasons of submissions and obedience or humility, God. Or even if we're just listening to you for the first time. That we would understand your timing, Father. That we wouldn't be disappointed when things don't happen. That we would remember, Father, that it's all in your perfect timing. And that not one word that you've promised us is going to fall to the ground and die if we just believe you. Right now, God, I repent and I, we all repent for anything that you've ever told us, God, that we've cursed. Anything that we've ever not believed you or we've even like said that we wouldn't do it, God. We just ask you right now for the blood of Jesus to come. And we just speak resurrection life over every dream or promise that maybe we've given up on or died to, God. That was, that was you. The ones that weren't you, God, we just want them to die in Jesus' name. But the ones that were you, God, we just ask you to cause them to live. Every dead thing come alive right now. In Jesus' name. So, Father, we just thank you. We thank you that you are causing wisdom and understanding to come to us in relation to our journey with you so that we could partner with you and be good sons and good daughters, that we would walk through correction, that you'd even scourge our flesh out, God. We need our flesh gone. It's not pleasant, God, and it's not easy, but we need you to help us, God. We need you to come and be a father to us. So in Jesus' name, I bless this church. I bless every person in this room right now in the name of Jesus, every person that's watching on Facebook Live on, online right now. In Jesus' name, God, just help us to walk through this stuff in Jesus' name. Grace and mercy over every person, God. And I thank you that as we embrace this, Father, you're going to call us into, deep, into deeper things and that you're going to encourage us by showing us things beginning to unveil, that you'll always have something to encourage us to move forward. In Jesus' name, and give us glimpses of the promise to spur us on. Father, I thank you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Jesus, thank you for paying the price. Thank you for going all the way so that we could stand here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.